Today's show is coming to you live from the Southern Baptist of Texas Empower Evangelism Conference at First Baptist Church, Euless. Stay tuned as we talk to church leaders about the importance of equipping believers to do the work of evangelism and fulfill the Great Commission. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. USA Today asked the question, is religion losing the millennial generation? If you ask college students in an introductory religion course to create their own faith, what would you get? What about desertism, which says the stomach is the way to the soul? Or Zen boozism, which seeks self-discovery through alcohol, for starters. We're going to talk about that at the half hour with the college student about this fascinating survey from Boston University College students. But we are here live at First Baptist Church, Euless, Texas, at the Empower Evangelism Conference with the Southern Baptist of Texas. And with us is Don Cass. He's Director of Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Don, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Don, tell us, what is an evangelism conference and why is it important for the churches today? Well, we have a conference annually in which the... uh, People from churches all over the state of Texas come together, and our desire is to motivate them and inspire them to go back to their church fields and take the gospel to every person in their sphere of influence. And uh, we think that this conference on the second coming of Jesus Christ will do exactly that. It will fan the flames of evangelism in the hearts of people who are present. You know, there's an interesting passage over Corinthians, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul thinking about the end times and the judgments and the evaluations. There's a motivator there to persuade people. Uh, Let's talk about what people will hear if they come to this conference. It's free. It's open to the public. It's at First Baptist Church, Euless, tonight, uh, tomorrow. What are the kinds of things they're going to hear and see when they come to this conference? Well, they're going to hear messages on the second coming. Uh, The theme of the conference is when time is no more. And we believe that uh, people are hungry to know more about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so tonight in the conference, they're going to hear a sermon on the signs of the times. What can you look for as the time of our Lord approaches or his coming approaches? And then a sermon on when Jesus returns for his bride. We're going to have great, great music, good testimonies as well. It's going to be a great, great time. 
Don, let's back up and talk about uh, personal evangelism and church evangelism. You know, um, today, I think people are reading a lot about other kinds of church growth methods. Some of it, I think, borders on entertainment almost. And uh, I want us to think about, you know, why you're having this conference, pulling pastors and laymen back to really New Testament evangelism. Could you just talk about the importance of one-on-one, New Testament, Acts 1-8, Matthew 28 kind of evangelism? That's your heart. I know that's your ministry assignment. Talk to us about it. Well, we believe that the New Testament teaches there are two forms or methods of evangelism. One is uh, publicly, and our churches exercise that, and the other is from house to house. And I don't think that means necessarily that you park your car at the end of the street and knock every door on that street, though there's nothing wrong with that. But it does mean that one-on-one, eye-to-eye, face-to-face with people, we're to share Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced, Dr. Johnson, that if we're going to win Texas and our world to the Savior, and I believe it's a doable responsibility, we're going to do it one-on-one. And so we must equip our lay people and show them how to share Jesus. And when they do that, they're very, very effective at letting people know that Jesus loves them. He can change their life uh, dramatically if they'll come to him. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're at the First Baptist Church of of Euless, Texas, and we're at the Empower Evangelism Conference with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Hundreds of people right here walking in the hall. I'm talking with Don Cass. He's Director of Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Don, would you just talk about uh, some of the methods? Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have a lot of Scripture memorized. I don't have um, maybe a good memory. I mean, I think some of those people need to make the commitment to learn some Scriptures and maybe get into a program. But could you just talk about how the average Christian out there today, they're driving home from work right now, or they're at their home, and they're thinking, you know, I just don't know if I could do this. Give us some practical tips right now on how people can do personal evangelism with people they work with, people who live next door, family members, friends, and so forth. Well, I think they can tell what happened to them in their life, how Jesus came into their life, what their life was like before he entered into their heart, and then how he came to be their Savior and Lord, and what's happened since he became the Lord and Master of their life. If they do that simple thing, they've done a biblical thing. That's basically what the Apostle Paul did when he witnessed. He he shared what his life was like before he came to know Jesus and how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and what Jesus means to his life today. I believe that, in essence, is what a real dynamic witness is all about. And then you tie in some very simple passages of Scripture, maybe Romans 3.23, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And maybe Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. And Romans ten thirteen, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just simple verses like that. doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to witness like I do or like someone else. But openly, in a non-threatening, loving way, tell people what Jesus has done in your life. All right, did you get that, folks? He's using the word witness, and I think that's very interesting. What is a witness? A witness is someone in a trial 
who has seen something, and all they say is, this is what I saw, this is what happened to me. That's very interesting. In John 15, Jesus said, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit is out there testifying to Jesus. But the next verse says, and you will also bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. So Jesus telling the early Christians that the Holy Spirit was testifying of Christ, but also he said, you will testify of me. And I think that applies to us today. And Don, I think that gives us confidence. You know, when people say, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I'm not sure God would use me. Really, um, we are just a tool. The one who converts, the one who convicts and convinces people and really shows Jesus to people is the Holy Spirit. That really should give us a lot of confidence, shouldn't it? Yes. Yes, he's in you. He's all-powerful. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. He will give you words to say at the proper time if you'll allow him to do so. And uh, he'll give you the power and the strength to share Jesus with others. And, of course, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and and it's powerful. gets down to the nitty-gritty of where people live and convicts and draws people. And so... uh, I really don't have anything to do except share Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit convinces. Uh, the Word of God is true. And so if I'll just share Jesus, he'll do the rest. All right. This is Jerry Johnson Live with the First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas. We're at the Empower Evangelism Conference sponsored by the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. But, folks, this is open to the public. It's free. It's right off Highway 183 and Industrial. You just... I want to hear some good preaching, great singing tonight here at this conference. I'm really encouraged already by what we've heard and what we've seen. I know tonight we've got Emir Kanner preaching, the Kanner brothers, uh, converted Muslims. You want to hear, you know, a testimony of someone who was a Muslim who's come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That'd be a great message to come here tonight. Um, Other highlights I know tonight. Don, let me ask you this because... um, I think I've read in Gallup and Barna surveys, you know, that we're getting away from evangelism and soul winning and giving our testimony and witnessing. Um, Do you have some statistics or just observations, really, you know, on what's happening in the church, you know, why this kind of conference is needed? Uh, Does the average Christian witness, you know, every year? Um, How many Christians does it really take to lead someone to Christ? What do you see out there in the demographics? Well, they tell us that about 5% of the laity in the church share their faith with somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ. That means that we have an army of 95% of our people in the churches that are not witnessing. Consequently, our churches are plateaued, many of them. About 90% of our churches are plateaued or not growing. And I believe that's the reason, because we don't understand that the, the, the shoulder of responsibility of church growth lies on every believer. If every believer, for example, in Southern Baptist Life, we have 16 million members in Southern Baptist Life. We know where about 8 million of them are. If all 8 million of them would lead one person to Christ in the next 365 days, present them as a candidate for baptism in our churches, it would be a turnaround. And in, in just a few years, we'd win our state and our world to the Lord Jesus if we, if we continued that, that kind of path and trained those people who are one to the Savior to lead their friends to the Savior as well. Now, I don't want to factor out the Holy Spirit, but I want us to go back 2,000 years into church history and to think about the beginnings of the church. We started with 11 or 12 folks, 
And uh, very quickly, we have over 100 praying there uh, before Pentecost, and then you've got several thousand. But really, God began with just, it'd be like truck drivers today and store workers and maybe a tax collector or a banker. Absolutely. But, I mean, these were not seminary people. They were not Bible college people. He, Jesus began with a fisherman and with the tax collectors. So he had 11, 12 people. And um, if they would have been as faithful as we are today, you know, what would have happened in the early church? And obviously the Holy Spirit, I mean, had something to do with this. But um, we need to recapture, I think, the, the zeal, the passion of those 12 disciples, that 120 that met in the upper room. These people were totally committed that's right. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I think of this meeting, I think of every Sunday, Don. I look out, there are hundreds of people worshiping, thousands in some churches. These people have nothing in common except a man yes. who lived 2,000 years ago. It's amazing. Right. We, wouldn't, we don't all bowl. We don't all like fishing. We're not all into golf. There's no other reason for us to gather even today. In this, in this meeting today, I see hundreds of people, and I won't see them anywhere else. The common connection we have is a man that lived 2,000 years ago. That makes me excited when I just think about that, how Jesus Christ is able to bring people together who really have no other common interest or background, rich and poor, young and old. And um, we need to somehow recapture the vision of that New Testament church. What's that going to take for us? Well, I, I pray that we have a spiritual awakening among God's people. Uh, and and I'm, I'm trusting that in this particular setting, the fires of revival might begin to burn once again. It, it's been nearly a hundred years since we had a revival in this country. In fact, it's been over a hundred years. And prior to that time, every 50 years about in history, in the history of this land, there was a revival, a spiritual awakening, and people by the thousands were swept into the kingdom of God. It's time for us to have that again. Well, let's pray for that. Let's believe that. And we invite you to come to the Empower Evangelism Conference. It's on 183 and about industrial over here in Euless, First Baptist Church of Euless. Listen, it's open to the public. It's free. You can come tonight, all day tomorrow. You just come on over here. You don't even have to be a Baptist. But uh, you come. You enjoy it. God will speak to your heart. This is Jerry Johnson live from First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas. When we come back, have you heard of this? The Country Church. What in the world is that? A different way of doing church? The Country Church in Texas. What a great idea. Also later, college students making up their own religion. We'll talk about that at the half hour. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Welcome back. We're at First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas at the Empower Evangelism Conference. And uh, we're talking about different ways to do evangelism, to do ministry, to build churches, and to obey the great commission of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard of the country church? What is the country church? Well, it's a church, I guess it would be out in the country, but there's more to it than that. With us is Butch Eichels. He's the pastor of the country church in Marion, Texas. Uh, Butch, welcome to the program. It's great to be here, Jerry. All right, Butch. Uh, Marion, Texas is about halfway between San Antonio and New Bronzeville, as I understand. Tell us about this church. You've been there 10 years. What is different about this church? What was the, the philosophy? You're the founding pastor. Tell us about it. Well, really, Jerry, I didn't want to do it. I'd, I'd been in evangelism, and uh, seven people came to my wife and I and asked us to pray about starting a work. And uh, I really, I, I thought, Lord, you've got to have a sense of humor. Uh, I've given everything I have in evangelism, and we're down to zero. And uh, even after my lovely bride said, uh, I really feel like the Lord's in it, then I said, honey, then you can pay for the groceries with your good <laughs> looks because they want cash when I go through the line. But that's how it started with seven people, my wife and I, uh, almost 10 years ago. It's a matter of faith then to yes, start sir. with and obedience. Yes, sir. And that's, by the way, I think a good lesson as we're here at the Evangelism Conference that really to do the Great Commission, to start churches, to to witness. I mean, you got to step out on faith. And there's always an element of doubt and fear in witnessing to the neighbor or are opening up that conversation, but certainly in starting a new kind of a church. Now, this wasn't a traditional church. This is uh, this is something unique. Tell us what it is to have a country church. Tell us your story. Well, when we started the, with with the nine people, I asked the people, I said, if you were to start a new work, what would you do differently? And they said, uh, no business meetings. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and uh, they said, could you run a church without business meetings? And I said, well, you can without business meetings, but you can't without financial integrity and trust. So everything in the church is built <laughs> on financial integrity and trust. But what's ironic in some of our churches, we can trust someone with, our, for instance, our precious babies, but we can't trust that same lady to buy a baby bed. Uh, it's got to go through the deacons or the yeah. church council. And, and so we have no... So you really simplified the, simplified. the uh, bureaucracy of the local church. Simplified. Our, our budget is percentage controlled, so last month's receipts is this month's budget. So it's simple church, but it's also country church. What's that mean? Well, there's really th- basically three types of country people. Those that were, those that are, and those that want to be. <laughs> the drugstore so, cowboy. Amen. Right? So uh, there's a, it, it, it's a broader appeal than, say, the cowboy fellowships that are springing a, a, up across our land. And while we have a great number of cowboys in our church and we do a lot of wild horse ministry type activities, uh, we have a broader base. We also have car shows that reach the lost, and we do everything we can to evangelize uh, our portion of the world. This is Jerry Johnson live. We're at First Baptist Church, Euless, Texas, at the Empower Evangelism Conference. Again, this is uh, open to the public. It's free. Come out and hear exciting messages preached and uh, singing tonight. But also, uh, we're interviewing some of the key people here, and with us is Butch Eichels. He's pastor of the Country Church in Marion, Texas. 
All right, Butch, uh, we're talking about this church, country church. You know, we've been talking about the Great Commission here, going to all the world, build colonial First Baptist big churches. Um, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said go to all the world. That's right. And uh, he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, I'm from a, a southern traditional Southern Baptist church in East Texas, and, uh, you know, there was an organ player and a violin player in the church I grew up in. Right. And for 18 years, I thought a Baptist church had to have a violin player. And when we would travel to another church, I'd say, hey, where's the violin player? I didn't realize that wasn't an essential to a New Testament church. It was a, a non-essential. So the question I have for you, in country church, I mean, there's there are a lot of people talking today in missions about contextualization. And what they mean is that the church ought to look like the community, except, that, of course, they're saved and redeemed and changed. But you don't have to have a colonial building Amen. if there are no other colonial buildings in the region. Exactly. You don't have to wear suits if nobody wears suits in that region. If I go into your church, tell me what I'm going to see. How are people going to be dressed? You're going to see the only thing in our town that was built without tax dollars. I mean, the only two new things in town were the post office and the school district. So uh, everything we we built has been functional. Uh, a lot of people say we don't have a building committee, but we're the only church around that everybody in the church is part of the building committee. They put down all their requests on a yellow-sized legal pad, and then we add it all up, and that's how we build our buildings. And so the men said, we want something nice but economical. The senior adults said, no two-story, we'll never get up there. And uh, the youth said, we want it uh, uh, friendly. And, and so all of these things were compiled. And we started in our living room nine years ago, moved to an old ta- uh, tavern, an old bar. And uh, uh, it was uh, exciting there. Uh, we outgrew that, bought three acres of land. That, make a long story short, we now have 16 acres and 55,000 square foot under roof. And Marion is only 1,099 population, and, and our church now exceeds 2,300. So. so wait a minute. You're in a town of 1,000 people, and you have twice that in your membership. Um, that's so unusual because most of the time... Uh, you know, a church, even in a country town, is going to be maybe a third or a quarter of the population. So it sounds to me like you're actually capitalizing on the rural setting. I mean, you're. Ex- how far away do people drive? Uh, as far as 62 miles, uh, we have a couple of families that drive 70-something miles, but the majority, it's about a 30-mile radius. I mean, but people who drive to Walmart that far into exactly. the country saying they'll come to church. I, I share that people will go where they're invited and stay where they're fed, so that we have to take care of the inviting yeah. and the feeding. But give you an example. Uh, Some time ago, one of my men came to me, and he said, Preacher, he said, my niece has, uh, has attempted suicide, and they're trying to get her counseling. And I said, Manuel, you know what she needs. He said, yes, sir, she needs the Lord. Would you talk to her? And I said, yes, I would, if he would set it up. And he did. And I said, where does she live? Well, the place that he mentioned was about 40 miles from the church. And I said, as I was driving there, I said, Lord, how far will people drive to come to the country church? And as I was still, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, people will come from as far as you're willing to go. Wow. 
If you drive around the city limits, that's where they'll come from. You drive 30 miles to win them to Christ, and they'll come from 30 miles. All right, this is an evangelism conference. Again, this is Jerry Johnson Live. We're here at the First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas. And by the way, you're invited. These meetings are open to the public. They're free, sponsored by the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Tremendous preaching tonight, tomorrow, singing. But we're talking about evangelism, and you've just mentioned that word, um, leading people to Christ, evangelism. You know, a lot of people today in church growth are just stealing other sheep from other churches, and they call, it, and they call that church growth. Um, you've been able to see some real conversions, and tell us about your church. How's it been built? Most of these people coming from other churches, or are they new believers coming to faith in Christ? Sixty-one percent has come in by salvation and have identified, followed the Lord as a believer in Scripture. Man, that's got to be at the top of what's going on out there today. It's it's unbelievable. It's a God thing. But our part is to do what he's commissioned us to do. You hit the nail on the head, and we're out there in the highways and the hedges talking to people about the Lord, and uh, he's taking care of the results. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I had a man... Uh, uh, saved that was an Indian horse trainer and uh, he was saved on Thursday night he was uh, made it public on Sunday followed the Lord in baptism and Monday night he went out on visitation So and talked wow. to all the other horse people about the Lord uh, we've had uh, veterinarians saved uh, from out of a very formal background with a religion and no relationship with Christ uh, but it's been exciting it, because all of the emphasis has been on bringing one more soul to Christ. And so our people, as they come into the church, they know what the mission is all about. It's to, to bring one more person to Jesus Christ. All of our energy, all of our money, all of our emphasis is on reaching one more person. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're at the Empower Evangelism Conference, Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. My guest is Butch Eichels. He is the pastor of the country church. You mentioned earlier something about uh, wild horse uh, training or events. Uh, talk to us about some of the unique evangelistic events that y'all will have through the year uh, that you're able to really reach out and, and uh, get people where they are. One of the former uh, evangelism directors of the SVT put me on to a, a country fella out in Trout, Louisiana, that has Wild Horse Ministries. He said, Butch, this is something you could use. And uh, we contacted the man. He came down. He will gentle break a wild horse in two hours while he's sharing the gospel. And uh, uh, the gospel presentation is unreal. People sit spellbound for two hours. We feed free grain-fed one-third-pound hamburgers and uh, uh, take up no offering and... and uh, in our local county, we had uh, 1,750 people. Uh, that was more than our local rodeo has, and uh, uh, we won a lot of people to the Lord. So that's one area. Uh, now we carry it into other counties, into Texas, and uh, it's a mission endeavor for us. Our guest, Butch Eichels from the Country Church. You know, uh, Leslie Newbigin, years ago, Spent most of his life on the mission field, came back to England, could do also this to Americans. As you know, the problem with the English church, the American church, is we're not looking on this as a mission field. What's the culture? How are the people living? Amen. What kind of buildings are they going to? How are they dressing? 
and let's present the gospel in a common way to the common people. Sounds like you're doing it at the Country Church. And it's in Marion, Texas. God bless you, Butch. You've been Thank a friend you so much. Criswell Great. College and KCBI through the years. When we come back, college students inventing their own religion. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, welcome back. We are at First Baptist Church, Euless, Texas, broadcasting live from the Empower Evangelism Conference, sponsored by the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. And, folks, there's a new story in USA Today that shows me why we need to be thinking about evangelism and missions and really communicating the truth, particularly to the next generation. Here's the headline from USA Today on their forum page, Is Religion Losing the Millennial Generation? fascinating story written by a professor at Boston University. He's the chair of the Department of Religion there. And uh, here's what Professor Prothero, is his name, uh, did with his class. Uh, he asked his class members to invent their own religions, college students inventing their own religion. Then he passed out fake Monopoly-style money to the class members. And um, when each class member gave their report, the students could vote when they took up the offering plate for their favorite invented religion. And some of the themes that came up, and I'm going to read a direct quote, are these. My students are careful, he says, not to tell one another what to believe or what to do. Above all, they want to be tolerant and non-judgmental. Most of the religions my student developed were fully compatible with other religions. They make few demands, intellectually or morally. Well, let's talk about that. What kind of religion are students saying they want in the college or university? I've got a college student here with me today, a Criswell College student, Andrew A. Bear, who's an assistant uh, in the president's office and one of our producers here on Jerry Johnson Live. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Andrew, you read this article a few minutes ago. What is your reaction to the, the religions that these students were inventing in this college religion class. Well, I think it's telling because it shows what young people of today are looking for out of religion, and it's not much. They're looking for something that doesn't restrict them in any kind of way, uh, doesn't provide any moral guidance or moral restrictions, and they're looking for something where everybody can be okay. Nobody's in the wrong, um, everybody's right, and no one's right all at the same time. Well, I noticed that some of these students say, hey, look, you don't have to leave Catholicism, Judaism, or Islam, or Christianity behind. Uh, but here's some of the religions they came up with. Some of them are sort of humorous, but others are somewhat serious. Desertism preaches the stomach is the way to the soul. The congregation of wisdom, this is focused upon jeopardy and just being entertained, you know, by jeopardy. There's Zen Buddhism, the religion of togetherness, where they uh, get together and drink, you know, and lose their inhibitions and so forth. It's a kind of uh, earthly nirvana, I guess. Uh, but uh, the article says... They are allergic to divinity and even heaven. What's your reaction to that, that they're not really motivated by the notion of heaven or theology proper, as we would call it at Criswell College, the notion of God, deity, or divinity? Well, I think part of the problem is most of the churches that they're uh, in contact with have a confused theology, and heaven doesn't make sense to them, the gospel doesn't make sense to them, and I think it's fundamentally because they don't understand what the gospel is. They don't understand that the truth claims of Scripture make sense because uh, we have a largely uneducated church population and a, a largely uneducated pastorate, 
and it's not com- making sense from the pulpit. So I think if they could see the, the truthfulness and the reasonableness of the gospel, uh, they would react uh, a little better. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're broadcasting uh, from First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas, at the Empower Evangelism Conference, sponsored by the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Tremendous conference tonight. You can hear from a former Muslim who's come to know Jesus Christ, Emir Kanner, who teaches at Southwestern Seminary. I encourage you to come out and make that, uh, that session tonight. But we're talking about a, a class at Boston University, a religion class. The professor asked his students to invent their own religion. It's kind of a class project. And uh, most of these religions are about entertainment or pleasure or sleep or rest. There's a Sertaism, I think, named after the Serta mattresses and ZZZ, you know, religion where you just get a good night's sleep. But you see a lot of rest and recreation in these uh, in these themes. Now, Andrew, I'm thinking about uh, another theologian who said, your God is your ultimate concern. And by that he meant the little g, but that is whatever we think the most about and we're most passionate about, that really is our God. It may be an idol, a false God, but when you, when you hear that statement and you think of these religions, what does it tell you about the spiritual condition of these, these college students? Uh, they're calling it religion, but it doesn't sound like religion to me. Well, I think the religion of the millennial generation, as they're calling it, it stands in stark contrast to biblical Christianity because every uh, created religion in this story, boozism, all of these things, have to do with self-love. It has to do with pleasure and entertainment and becoming whole or coming to to know yourself in a deeper kind of way. And the contrast with the, the true gospel is that at the heart of the Christian gospel is dying to self. Uh, the idea that our lives in themselves are not worth living, that we have to be crucified with Christ, and Christ comes and lives his life through us. And I think, you know, uh, th- these students who are quoted in this USA Today article, you know, right now they're having fun, but I know a lot of students who have given into drunkenness and drug addiction and illicit sex, and I've seen them at the end of the road when they see where this leads, and they understand that life is not worth living without Christ. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why the suicide rate is so high for young people is because they they are miserable without Christ. Uh, this article strangely quotes uh, an old theologian, uh, Richard Niebuhr, who's, who criticized liberals for preaching, quote, a God without wrath who brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross, end quote. And I do think that's similar to what we're hearing these students propose. This is not really religion or theology. It's anthropology. <laughs> it's not about God. It's really what you're reading is about man. You know, Carl Bart said, you can't say God by shouting man real loud. <laughs> and that is, they're really not thinking about what's transcendent and ultimate. I saw another quote here in the article. This life is the one that counts. This is your eternal reward. And so uh, I think a lot of students out there today in college, um, you know, thinking this way. So here's the challenge, Andrew, I think. Uh, You're at Criswell College, but, you know, we go out, we do missions and evangelism. We do mission trips every year. We do the Harvest Day in the fall, the Outreach Day in the spring, Encounter Missions every Wednesday. So we're a college that's about missions and evangelism. What do you think uh, we can take from this article? Obviously not the religions, 
but uh, there's always something to learn from an article about about these kinds of students who are completely lost. I mean, they're in the fog. Um, what does it remind us? What does it tell you about how we, we're at an evangelism conference? What does this say to you? Well, I think, you know, one thing that this shows is that students are interested in pleasure and satisfaction. And I think really uh, what they're really interested at their heart of hearts is, is finding uh, completion knowing that their life matters in some kind of a way. And John Piper said that the ultimate end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So I think what we can tell the next generation is that you will find the most pleasure, you will find the most completion when you're serving God. And we need to present them a gospel that is biblical. Uh, It's not a, a Christ without a cross. It is the fact that God created you. You intentionally rebelled against him. You led a rebellion against his kingdom, but he loved you despite it. Sent his son to die for your sins. He was killed on a cross, was buried for three days, rose from the grave with awesome power. Death could not hold him. He was seen by hundreds. He ascended to the right hand of God where he is right now. And one day he's coming again, and it's imminent, and he's going to judge the world in righteousness. You know, one thing about this article is that It seems that young people are concerned only about the here and now, not the there and then. But the fact is the coming of Christ is imminent, and he will judge you for your sins. And so we need to present the gospel with urgency and show them that it does affect your here and now. We're talking about USA Today's article, Is Religion Losing the Millennial Generation? Are we losing the current generation? These college students ask to invent their own religions and uh, these religions, very little about God or heaven or hell or Jesus or prayer. In fact, they say they're spiritual but not religious. And by that they mean no dogma, no belief, and uh, really no ethics as well. Not even telling you what to do or how to live. Now this really, again, is not religion. This is uh, just pop culture, it sounds to me like. And uh, we go back to Pascal who said, you know, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the human heart that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know who you are out there driving home or at, um, maybe you're still at work, maybe you're at the house already, and uh, you sense something is missing. And, well, of course, you could try to create your own religion. It might be gardening for you or looking at the stars or studying history or connecting with nature. People are looking... But Pascal said that vacuum can only be filled by Jesus Christ. We've heard the gospel a moment ago. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And he is the one. Augustine prayed it this way. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. Now, what we need is not a new religion. Uh, What we need is really the old religion gospel, the old story, the good news. God made us in his image, but human beings rebelled. And because of that, we've been under judgment and wrath. And that's why God became a man, sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for all of my sin and wickedness on the cross and for yours. He was buried and he was resurrected victorious over sin, over death, over the grave. That's the good news of Christianity. What's your part? It's simply to acknowledge the truth of that and to acknowledge that you've sinned 
Are you sorry for your sin? And to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to turn to Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to look to Jesus. When we come back, a couple of updates from Iran in the news. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Okay, the front page of USA Today said that uh, Hillary Clinton had lost her lead to Barack Obama. There's a virtual tie now across the country, of course, Super Tuesday. Tomorrow we're going to be watching this. We'll give you a full update tomorrow afternoon. But there is some breaking news there, and that is that uh, today you'll see that um, Hillary Clinton has proposed to garnish the wages of workers who refuse to buy insurance. So she's calling this the Choices Health Care Program be very interesting to see if people feel like that gives them much of a choice we'll talk about that maybe tomorrow others are challenging her 35 years of public service claim uh, they say you know being first lady in arkansas first lady of the white house this is not public service there's no real portfolio in that position we'll be talking about some of that tomorrow on the republican side bob dole today jumping all over rush limbaugh for criticizing mccain and other conservatives have said you know we're concerned about john mccain we'll give updates on all that tomorrow but super tuesday tomorrow the primaries this is going to be huge to see if obama or hillary really pull ahead or if it's going to be mccain huckabee or romney a couple of other items in the news you want to be watching and that is iran is again in the news iranian sisters face stoning for adultery what kind of a world would we have if the Islamic worldview prevailed? What kind of a world would Sharia law bring us? Sometimes people pretend that there's a moral equivalency between Christianity in the West and a, a culture informed by the Judeo-Christian worldview, a moral equivalency between that and um, the Islamic culture, the Islamic worldview, a Sharia law. Well, you've got these two gals that are going to be stoned to death for adultery. What do you think of that? Also, I see in Iran... They are launching a rocket, and they're opening a space center. Uh, I don't think this sounds good. They're getting nuclear technology from Russia. We know that last week, and now they're working on rockets. Uh, this is not a good mix, and um, we'll be continuing to follow the Iranian story in the news. Also today, suicide bombers strike in Israel. 
in a nuclear town, a facility, a nuclear facility. Uh, it just reminds us, folks, that this Middle Eastern area is uh, a tinderbox right now, and certainly we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what the book of Psalms says. We need to be in prayer. But we are broadcasting live from the First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas. We're at the Empower Evangelism Conference. And tonight, a Criswell College graduate is preaching. Emer Kanner is going to preach. He's a former Muslim who's become a Christian, and he'll be preaching. Uh, you ought to come out and hear him. If nothing else, he'll be preaching tonight. Again, this is open to the public. It's free. We're at the First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas. And when we think about evangelism and mission, sometimes, again, we are maybe intimidated as Christians into thinking we can't do it. We're not able to do it. And uh, that's probably a good thing in one sense because it reminds us that we must depend upon the Lord. We cannot do it in our own strength. I want to read a scripture to you. It's from John 16, and it's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus saying that he has to go away in verse 7, or the helper will not come. But if he departs, he will send the helper to us. And then he says something about the Holy Spirit, his helper. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. What does that mean, of sin, of righteousness, and judgment? Well, it's good that you ask because he goes on to explain exactly what that means. He says, of sin, because they believe not on me. That is, the Holy Spirit has an assignment. And that is to convict sinners of their sin. Now, there are people out there tonight driving in their car, maybe listening to my voice, and you'd say, well, I'm not as bad as other people. I'm not as bad as I could be. And uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, that's really not what that means in the Bible. Sin simply means that we have fallen short of God's glorious standard. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God, a just God, and he has a standard for our lives. And we have rebelled. We have fallen short. The question is not, are we as bad as we could be or as bad as someone else? But have we fallen short of God's standard, his righteous standard of holiness? And we have. And I'm going to say only the Holy Spirit can show you that you are a sinner. But actually, that's not the main thing the Holy Spirit is showing. If you think about this, look at it again. Because they believe not on me. That is the ultimate sin. The worst sin is not believing on Jesus Christ. A lot of people think, well, it's murder or stealing or something like that. No, it's not. No, the unpardonable sin, the worst sin, the ultimate sin is not believing in Jesus Christ, rejecting Jesus Christ. And I know there are a lot of people out there today who say, well, I'm okay, I'm a pretty good neighbor, uh, I give to charity, and uh, I do more good deeds than bad, maybe, and they think, I'm all right. I'm not a really bad criminal or sinner. Well, only the Holy Spirit can show you that rejecting Jesus is actually the worst sin you could ever commit. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit would do tonight if you would let him do that. And if you have a loved one who's not a Christian, not a believer, know this. It's not your job to talk someone into becoming a Christian. The Holy Spirit must show them that they need Jesus and to reject him is a sin. So he says he will convict convict the world of sin, but also of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? 
of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. I think this is talking about the work of Christ. I think this is, you know, a lot of people think sin is doing bad and they think righteousness is doing good. And I think what the Holy Spirit would show you is righteousness is not really doing good. Righteousness is found in Jesus Christ because I go to my Father and you see me no more. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he paid a a penalty, a debt for those sins. He rose again. He is ascended now. He is an advocate. He is an intercessor. He is a go-between. He's arguing my case and your case before the Father. He is our advocate, and that's our righteousness. Righteousness is to be found in Him. And Jesus is saying, only the Holy Spirit can show you that you're a sinner, but also only the Holy Spirit can show you righteousness is found in Christ because most people think it's by doing good or something like that. And finally, He says, He will come to convict of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. We just read the article about the college students who really don't believe in an afterlife. You know, when Jesus was crucified, he said, Now is the prince of this world cast out. The book of Hebrews says, By death he destroyed him who had power of death, that is, the devil. When Jesus died on the cross, it was a judgment on the devil. And look, if the devil was judged on the cross, you and I ought to know that there is coming an ultimate judge of all sin, a judgment of all sin. And that is why the Old Testament says, prepare to meet thy God. Only the Holy Spirit can show you that judgment is coming. I pray that he will do that today. And if you're witnessing to others, this should give you confidence that the Holy Spirit can show them their sin and their need of a Savior. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Join us tomorrow with June Hunt. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.